Today is May 13th, 2021. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Hauki. Naganago Mekol Che Che Stokom Aki. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My English married name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bogani of the Confederacy. These lands were Treaty 7, September, signed on September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chinookee Bears Pond Nations of the Stoney, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and the members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born here in Calgary or in Blackfoot. Mokinstis has Michelle, Rob or Michelle Elliott another English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene. My Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Quinchotine Indahe, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and honoring your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share what I know as I walk down my red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So today I'm quite lucky to have a friend of mine uh, come join me. We actually met on Twitter. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Michelle. So my name's Rio Lance. Um, I uh, currently reside in Calgary, Alberta, um, and I also just recently uh, got a hold of a, my bachelor's. Um, I just received that in the mail actually the other day, and I'm actually going to be working on uh, going into my master's later this uh, year as well. Um, and I also want to thank the Blackfoot as well for being here today and being a uh, uh, the settlement on their uh, territory. Um, for me, actually, uh, my Indigenous heritage is actually in Ontario. Uh, I'm from the Algonquin Greater Golden Lake area, um, which is an, which is actually uh, about an hour and a half uh, east from Ottawa. Um, and my Indigenous heritage also comes from my father's side of the family. Um, and then my mom's side of the family is very Canadian um, and they actually uh, came from Europe. So that's me in a nutshell. Right on. And one of the things that you post on Twitter is that you're going to be running for a public office. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually have decided um, since 2019 that I would like to run as an independent candidate on a provincial uh, level here in Alberta. Um, for me, my journey was a little bit different because I honestly felt a lot of times that of my voice as a citizen wasn't being taken serious, whether it was uh, me writing emails to MLAs or uh, MPs on a federal level. Um, and I felt that I wanted to make more of a difference. And I feel also too, as an uh, Indigenous person, that 
um, sometimes we're not taken as seriously on a lot of different topics and we constantly have to continue to raise our voices more than um, other people may have to, uh, especially when wanting to run in politics. Um, for me too, I honestly never thought I would get to this position of wanting to run as an independent. I honestly thought when I was starting my research that I would just land into a role of, of joining a party. Um, and that's why I did uh, do some research on um, some parties here in Alberta that I thought would line up to who I believe myself as a person and what my beliefs are. Um, but I guess the more and more research I did and the more I realized who I was as a person, I felt that maybe independent just felt more right for me um, rather than uh, joining a party and being a party candidate. Well, that's awesome. So what are some of the parties that you looked into and what was kind of the uh, deal breaker for you? And I ask, but not wanting to put you on the spot in the same breath, I would probably agree with you. So know that uh, I'm probably just going to be sitting here going, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. okay. yep. yeah. <laughs> um, well, for, for me, um, I thought about joining actually the um, Alberta NDP and the Alberta Liberals. Um, and actually even a small part of me wanted to even join the Alberta Greens. Um, I think for the Alberta Greens, the thing is for me is that I do believe in having clean energy and I do believe in a cleaner earth. Um, I do believe that uh, climate change is an issue, um, not just here in Alberta, not even just in Canada, but in, around the whole world. Um, but I think that when it came to them, especially, I think that they don't really spend a lot of time on Indigenous issues. Um, and I've actually seen some posts um, of things that kind of suggest that they don't go in that direction sometimes, at least the Alberta Greens anyways. I don't know about uh, the federal greens as much because again, like I said, my journey was more for provincial politics. Um, I think the Alberta Liberals actually line up with a lot of who I am, but I think there's just, the idea is like, for example, um, I know the Alberta Liberals, which you are a member of that party. One of the things that you guys really um, are supportive on is uh, bringing a PST here in Alberta. And not that I'm saying that it's a bad idea. It's just, I think in a lot of ways, Alberta sort of already has a PST. It's just more hidden. Um, and I think that, if we were able to more or less budget our money properly, which I know the UCP is showing us a lot different lately, but I think if we were able to budget our money more, we may not need to have more taxes. And I think this works on a government level on any level, whether it's provincial or federal, I think, um, you know, a lot of these taxes that we bring in for people, I, I always wonder, I'm like, is there another way though? Like, are we, are we spending the money the correct way? And if we aren't, maybe that's why we need all these, these taxes. Um, and I think for the Alberta NDP, um, I think it's more just the people that I uh, had interacted with that sort of pushed me away from it. Um, and again, I know that some of these people are not actual members of the NDP, but they are more, more or less supporters and they're more or less um, people who really advocate the party. I think the attitude and the energy I got from a lot of them is what really sort of turned me um, away from them because I just, I guess I didn't feel as welcomed. Like I said, um, honestly, of all the parties, you guys, the Alberta Liberals have actually been the most open-minded uh, with me being an independent. And so I think that's why I kind of lean with you guys, but I definitely am not going to say I consider myself a full Alberta Liberal. And that's sort of why I'm in the independent role that I'm in. Oh, no, that sounds good. That's, that's exactly what I was wondering about was, uh, you know, where you fit and, and pray tell, tell me why the conservatives so the UCP don't seem to align with you. Um, well, obviously, I think being a member, being a member of the LGBTQ community, being an openly uh, gay, queer male, um, I think that, you know, that's something that the UCP and conservative government doesn't really um, they don't talk a lot about it or they don't want to touch it. And I just think that we, no matter what party we are, we should be um, open-minded to everybody uh, regardless of, of who they are. Um, and so um, in my opinion, and especially, I mean, we've all seen it. There's videos out there like of Jason Kenney, the comments that he's made about the LGBTQ community and 
um, just in my opinion, if that's the type of leader that that party has, that's not something I can see myself getting behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. <laughs> I think sometimes it's just better for other people to hear it from other people than just me. Yeah. Um, in fact, I annoy the hell out of myself, so I'm really grateful <laughs> to have you all here to say it. <laughs> and today, as we're recording, um, there's a very interesting development in the UCP caucus. Um, their chair actually resigned from their position as caucus chair and uh, publicly denounced Jason Kenney and um, asked him to step down from being premier. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been an, <laughs> a fun day on Twitter and a fun day on uh, the CBC radio listening to um, you know, blowhards give their crappy opinions about what they think uh, is going on. And I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I can say what I want about them, but they rule. And that's yeah. the majority of the, the voters are, uh, you know, pro um, killing Indigenous people, pro killing LGBTQ2+, pro, um, pro anti-progressiveness. They say the most awful, heinous things, yeah. um, you know, anti-science so pro-pandemic <laughs> genocide like I, just, I can't say enough awful things about uh you know my my neighbors apparently <laughs> yeah <laughs> and how they feel about uh who we should be electing to government so yeah. um yeah, so it, it is, uh, it's really great to have somebody else on the show and talk about, um, you know, Alberta from their point of view, because, you know, I've been pretty open uh, about my opinion. I think that, uh, you know, most folks just enable genocide against Indigenous people, against LGBTQ2+, and are, are pro, uh, so pro-Christian that they're okay with the genocide of other people's cultures and such. So it's, uh, you know, fun times if you're yeah. an Indigenous woman or an Indigenous gay man in Alberta right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and even the other parties, like I, I don't want to uh, throw just the uh, UCP under the bus, obviously, you know, the Green Party fella um, in my area was so racist towards me. I was like, I felt like I had to run against him. Like that, I'm actually to the point though, I don't know how I feel about running ever and I don't know how I feel about voting ever yeah um uh, any energy I have will be uh put towards folks like yourself or Marilyn North Pagan or uh you know like my actual friends who are interested in running I just you know I really lost I've lost faith with yeah. humanity like I uh I'm supposed to be a leader. I'm supposed to be, <laughs> you know, um, helping other people, but it's really clear that, uh, you know, all of the barriers are set up there. I mean, I can't even share um, a survey about missing and murdered Indigenous women and have people retweet it. So it, it's interesting. Like, there's a piece of me that wonders, like, do I just block everybody that's following me? Like, how do I make it? How do I? How do I get this information out there? Right? Like, yeah. You know, because there's, it's obvious that uh, the algorithms of social media just doesn't allow it. Um, so I don't even know how to, how to exist. <laughs> really, <laughs> you can report to the, the uh, I got, I just got off a 24 hour sus suspension for um, showing the hate mail and the hate comments that right. I get, which is so right. it, it's just like, I don't even know how to exist in this particular day. Um, there's a trailer that came out of New York, um, you know, misrepresenting Anuk voices. And, uh, you know, there's an article going around about how to hook up with a Native American man. And they're so awful that it's not even, like, it's not even funny satire at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, agree. I agree. Like, it, it's just the representation that we get is so awful. So I'm really grateful for this podcast, because otherwise we'd have no voice whatsoever. And, I, you know, I really... Um, want to encourage you to uh, what uh riding are you or constituency are you riding if you're going uh mla um, so calgary fish creek okay so if you live basically in the southwest part um used to be represented by um harper federally uh right now would be what that koozie i think that's their area but that's federal so yeah. provincially is that is that kenny's writing i don't remember yeah it is it's i think his name's richard i don't know his last name off okay. the top of the head. but yeah it is uh ucp it's a very um i'll be honest it's a very uh ucp slash wild rose rich uh writing is what i call it because those are usually the parties that have or progressive conservative that have won that writing um since i believe 1979 at least that's the data that i have off the top of my head it could even be longer than that um 
Um, and I know that the last independent candidate to run was in 1993. So um, me writing will end a, a very long independent drought as I call it. But um, I think I think for me too, when it comes to, comes to that, r running up against a very conservative writing, I think it's just about, and this is why I think the perks of being independent sometimes is uh, that you can sort of be transparent and be more what your constituents want. So if you have to change a little bit per se of who you are in order to get your message across, then then so be it. Um, I know that, I mean, I grew up in that writing. I actually, when we moved to uh, Alberta when I was nine, that was where we ended up moving to. And my parents still resign in that writing. Um, and I have a lot of friends and I've networked a lot in that, in that, uh, in that writing. So, I mean, people know who I am. Um, and that, I think that's, that's an advantage of its own, really. Mm -hmm. I am. Um, my family, my step family actually lives on Brayside. So um, I remember when that was the edge of town, Brayside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. um, so it's funny to me when you talk about the historical leanings, because it's like, you know, this, that, that was actually prairie not that long ago. I don't think people who are not from Calgary understand how new of a city this place is and how like pro-colonialism it is so like the this place is just a land developer and realtors you know wet dream because they just get to keep going because nobody cares about limits as long as indigenous people are dead they don't mind right like yeah, yeah. they can die all over the, the streets that's fine and it's not okay um obviously i um ran when i ran municipally and provincially i cared a lot about harm reduction systemic racism um, policies to change those things still active and trying to this it's such the lowest hanging fruit is in the lunch of in school and i can't believe the fight to get these racists to just change the stupid <laughs> thing i cannot like that like they don't even have a clue what truth and reconciliation is let alone freaking systemic racism so I don't know. I don't know how to fight this fight, but I hats off to you for wanting to put your name in. Um, and not every party is so guilty of this. Like I can't even, it, it's taken years and years. And you know, the irony is even in the liberal party, most of them just resent me because I have the audacity, you know, yeah. stupid native woman should be quiet in the corner, not being honest and open. And, um, you know, obviously I don't feel that way. Um, I'm actually shocked. I, I actually thought higher of, you know, the parties, um, governance, I thought higher of my neighbors, but uh, I just took pictures of this um, sign that's up on the corner here. And, you know, and I don't know if you remember the coup d'etat guy, but he actually lives, like he's one of my neighbors. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we had a, a by-election, and um, uh, I I wasn't running in that one actually. And um, the coup d'état guy ran here in Greenway at the time. It was called Greenway. Okay. Yeah. No, we have all of the all of the interesting folks that you can possibly have in this area, and you know, like the moderators to like the community association block me. Um, you know, the fun stuff like, oh, what's happening in Abbeydale? Like it's literally the mods that are perpetuating the worst racism. So it's no wonder Colton Crochu could be, um, you know, missing and then murdered here in, in Abbeydale. And, you know, we actually had police um, surround us when we had the vigil. Oh, wow. so they, they wouldn't even open up the community center to us. So like, that's how bad my neighbors are, actually. They're okay. so racist, you know, and, and I know your neighbors are no different, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's that's not the fun part about this. And there's not like a fun place to move to that makes you safe because there's it's just such acceptable racism here in Alberta and well, in Canada and North America now yeah. globally, you know, it's just global racism. So um. I don't know. I don't know what the right answers are, but I know it's important to run to have a platform. Um, I'm not in the, uh, I, I have, I, I have, I'm really unstable insta right now, um, unstable from the pandemic. So yeah. as a result, I can't run um, provincially, federally, nothing. Um, and frankly, I don't think the, the parties like what I have to say, because yeah. obviously they're pro-Canada, pro-colonialism. Right. Yeah. So they're, you know, for killing Palestinians and they're for killing indigenous people. Um, and 
you know, as soon as you're a part of these systems, you're complicit, which I am obviously, because I'm a federal liberal and a provincial liberal. And uh, join these parties thinking you could make some substantial changes and win some hearts and minds, but you know, you can't even change Langevin School for Christ's sakes. I know. So, that's yeah, hard. yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, trying to get Narcan in bulk, and uh, that's a federal issue, jurisdiction issue, and I, I can't get that either. So, you know, it's that racial battle fatigue of daily going to my pharmacist and getting another Narcan and then distributing it to either Bear Clan or, you know, be the change YYC and yeah. trying to get you know, the, the Narcan in the hands of the right people in the hopes that we can save some lives. But no, Canada's just cool with genocide. So I don't know what to, how to really like uh, tackle this anymore. Uh, because the other part is, is that um, all the Christian organizations have made money and continue to make money as nonprofits to, um, you know, exploit uh, the trauma that they literally impose on our own people. And yeah. um you know, and they get away with it and people vote for this. They actually think that it's positive. You know, we yeah. have uh, human trafficking money that goes where, you know, how is it for someone like myself who's literally on the streets, you know, giving Narcan to people? Yeah. How is it that, you know, we can't seem to get any of that funding unless we have a nice white savior that's our CEO or, our, yeah. you know, executive director, like the the entire system is messed up and well it, it's by design obviously that's that's the intention yeah. so um what are your stances on healthcare? since that seems to be such a huge deal here in alberta um i mean healthcare. i think healthcare is really important um i mean actually before i dive into it i just wanted to say too i oh, something you had said i do i think that's another reason too why i'm where i'm at too because of of kind of giving up on on humanity as a whole um and just the responses that that people think is is acceptable um here in alberta and like you said in canada and globally but when i uh definitely when it comes to healthcare, i mean that's that's a huge one i mean I think what the UCP did by laying off all those front um, line workers during the global pandemic was completely wrong. Um, I think more funding does need to go to the healthcare here in Alberta um, because, I mean, like I said, we're in a global pandemic. So it's almost like um, shooting somebody down when we're already in a, you know, a horrible situation as it is. Um, and I know for a fact that uh, we we have the money to give to the healthcare workers and into the health uh, industry. So my my thing is is that why are we supporting all these rich corporations, which the UCP uh, that like that four point whatever four point seven billion handout that they were giving out to all those uh, corporations? And I get it; it's because those are our supporters for the UCP, but. I mean, like for me personally, I mean, I know being an independent making a budget is a little bit different because I'm not necessarily part of a party, but I know for me, if I had the say on that, I mean, a lot of that 4.7 billion could go towards a lot of things and healthcare is one of them. Um, so it just, it makes me really sad to see that we're, um, you know, and hindering that industry and even hearing people losing their doctors um, and their doctors are moving to other provinces or even other countries. Um, it's just, it's really sad, you know, that's not how we should be running this pandemic. Oh, I know. I, when we knew federally, like federally, his uh, record was anti-science and, um, you know, pro-industry. But, you know, I, I, I don't understand, like for a guy who seems to care so much about the economy, why it is that they aren't focused on keeping their workers alive, one, because yeah. they don't just work and create the economy, but they also vote for them. So, you know, that bigger picture of, you know, brainwashing your people to believe that it's okay to die in a pandemic. Like, I, I don't understand this world we live in right now at all. I don't, I don't either. Yeah. So, and and you, yeah, I mean, I do want you to, um, you know, talk about some of the things that you want to address. So, you know, we can definitely go in that direction too. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, I can just go over some of the things that are in my platform. I mean, there, there's a few, but like quite a few, but we can just, you know, go over some and maybe if you want to talk about any of those, those are fine. I'll just, I'll just list what I have here in my notes. And then if you want, we can dive into some of them separately. <clears throat> so for me, obviously indigenous rights is one of the things that I'm really would really want to push if I, if I'm elected. Um, 
for obvious reasons, we've had those, those conversations, but uh, women's rights, LGBTQ2+, community rights, um, ending homelessness, and that's why I do really uh, talk with Chaz and uh, Be the Change YYC, for example. Um, then obviously disability and deaf community. Um, I've talked to some folks that feel that there's no party that, um, I feel that some parties do say they're going to do stuff for that community, but I feel that it's more just like one fancy sentence or two fancy sentences. And then when they're elected, they don't really do anything for them. So I think that's a big one here in Alberta. Um, senior and veteran rights. I think this is a huge one, not just on a provincial level, but uh, like a national level too. I think the way that our veterans are treated, for example, is really crazy considering that, you know, they, you know, they go serve our country and then they come back and they, basically get a slap on the hand. I, I just, I don't understand that. And then of course our seniors, I mean, they're the ones that built this province and built this country. So why are we neglecting them when they reach a certain age? Um, another big one, which I know some people uh, have mixed feelings on because they had mixed feelings on minimum wage being at 15, but I really think minimum, we need to increase minimum wage um, anywhere from 20 to $22 an hour. And this just reflects the inflation and uh, everything that's going on um, in general. Uh, increasing A-ish payments, that, that's a big one for me. I have actually a couple of people on my team who are on A-ish, and this is an issue that has brought into uh, they have brought up to me and even speaking to other people in general I've got friends on AISH and you know they just think the amount of money that they get on AISH is is never enough to survive on I literally don't know how they do it I actually tried to live on an AISH wage for um I think it was almost six months um like me and my husband living on it and it was just I don't know how they do it um I know that the one of the NDPs, I think Maria, she did it for a month, but I wanted to go a step further. And that's why I did about six months. And I don't know how they do it, like, especially if they have medications and, and you know, other things that they need uh, to survive on their day day to day. Um, another big one is keeping Alberta air clean, renewable energy while supporting the oil, oil workers. I mean, I've got family members who, who are um, in the oil and gas industry, but at the same time, I also do believe in a clean ener a cleaner Alberta as well. And that's kind of where in that aspect, I kind of line up with the Greens. Um, and then really just being active with uh, future generations, getting the youth involved. I know that the parties do um, get the youth involved as it is, but I think even as an independent, it's it's not a bad thing to get the youth involved um, because I think you know these these are the these are our future doctors, our future politicians, our future teachers, and and so on. So getting them involved in the community is really important. Um, and personally, I think even. I think even lowering voting age to 16 would be would be kind of ideal too, because I do believe that a lot of youth in high school, um, you know, usually have a have a strong concept of, of how politics work and they have a strong voice, but of course they're not 18 so they can't vote. So, you know, having some younger votes might give us a different type of government. And then obviously as an independent working for the people is, is another big one for me too, because not having a party behind me or a party leader behind me, I have to do everything kind of, I say winging it and doing it myself. So having, working for the people and listening to them and, and actually, you know, doing surveys with them. And that's kind of what I do now too, is I do reach out to constituents and um, do, uh, phone surveys currently with the pandemic. Before the pandemic, I was, you know, going to people's doors and, and finding out uh, different things that, you know, affected them as a whole. Um, for the most part, there's always been a majority when asking them different issues. The only issue that my writing is liter literally, it was 50-50, exactly 50-50, was climate change. So 50% uh, believe in it and 50% don't. So I thought that was kind of interesting on that level. That is something I kind of stand for, but seeing that my constituents are divided sort of makes me kind of wonder um, which direction I should go. Because um, like I said, all the other surveys I've done, I've had, you know, a very clear message, 60% supported or 70%. I'm like, oh, that's enough in my opinion that, okay, they, they want me to do this. Um, and then, you know, working across party lines, I think is the thing. I think a lot of people, when they think independent, they think it means somebody who is going in it on a loan. Whereas I think I'm very opposite of that. I think, you know, I 
want to work across party lines and, and see what the parties have to offer um, and see if anything, you know, because again, some of the things I do stand for do align with other parties. So getting active with, with those people um, and having those conversations, but also kind of moving past the party lines too is a big one for me and um, getting down to business and um, dealing with the policies and the issues that affect Albertans is, is really big for me because I think if we just sort of um, continue to do the us first them mentality and, and point fingers at each party, um, it's not helping Albertans, you know, and I, we, and I see that a lot now with the, with the NDP and UCP. I mean, having only two parties in our government right now um, really does have the us first them. I think we definitely need, you know, a third party or a third voice in there so that, because right now we're just we're all we're getting from from the parties is the NDP is only going to tell us what the UCP is doing and vice versa. So having a third or fourth party or voice in there, you know, we're going to see more sides of what's really going on. Here I am muted. My own show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love what you're saying. No, I I uh, I think it's amazing, and I wish. Um, I wish the citizens of Alberta felt the same way you do, and <laughs> um, we had more constructive dialogue in our in our parliament. So, um, or I guess our legislature in this case. Um, yeah. So, I guess for me, I'm wondering what kind of relationship do you have with your MLA right now? Um, well, they. Uh, so I don't currently live in in the riding that I'm running. So I actually have a different MLA. I've actually I have Whitney Isaac actually. Um, my relationship with her is non-existing because I have sent her emails in the past about different issues that I've had and I just get the generic one sentence respond from her. Um, now to the point I've sent her so many emails that she's blocked me. So I don't have any contact with her whatsoever. Um, and that's sort of why I've reached out to, um, I've tried to reach out to other UC MLAs um, and even NDP MLAs. Um, and for the most part, like I said, I, I don't know what it is, um, but I always seem to just get the generic one sentence from most MLAs. Um, and again, it's not just a UCP thing, it's even the NDP. Now, I don't know if it's because most of these individuals know that I'm, I'm planning to run as an independent and they just really don't wanna have those conversations. Um, so it sort of, it makes it kind of a little bit sad to me because as again, as I was saying in my platform, one of the things for me is to work across party lines. So I really um, don't understand why um, right now these MLAs don't want to have those conversations. And that's why, um, and I said at the beginning of this, you, you're, the Alberta Liberals are the only party that where the, I mean, you guys don't have any MLAs elected, but your candidates are the only ones that seem to want to sit down and have these, these conversations. And again, you, especially the Indigenous conversation, I mean, it's, I get a lot of that from you. I don't see a lot of ind Indigenous conversations with the current MLAs and even um, other candidates in general. Yeah, no, they don't touch our issues with a 10-foot pole. And, um, and that's the unfortunate part, right, is that they understand, I think, that they're complicit in colonialism, so that's why they don't want to touch it. And um, I think that's sadly where we're at as a, you know, yeah. and I, I honestly believe that the moment you out yourself as Indigenous is the moment they feel very easily compelled to ignore you um, and your emails and such. So there's, to me, I'm actually, I actually have, um, Jason Kenney's team blocked me from yeah. being able to have a uh, respectful dialogue. So I just have them all blocked from me and my social media and I, I won't engage with them in any capacity because they are, um, you know, the they're fascist. There's, yeah. there's no nice way to say it. They're just fascist. And yeah. the fact that people are so daft about what fascism actually is, like it's, uh, it's really sad because I mean, most of us had, you know, great grandparents that somehow served in World War II. And yet here we are, you know, basically, voting for fascism mm -hmm. and um, allowing things like Nazi flags to be you know up right now so you know it's just a reflection of our of our populace at this point that uh, you know if you can be a, a Nazi supporter then you can get elected in in Alberta it's really that simple and the irony is that a lot of so-called progressives and centrists they don't even think they they fall in that category but yet they do because they enable this behavior and they still um, amplify the voices of like on the CBC, 
today at noon, they had some old PCer who's like, well, when I was part of Ralph's team, and I'm like, <laughs> do you have any idea how this does not matter to the majority of the people, like at all, at all? We yeah. like, we just don't care. And then, you know, you have like the uh, NDP that think that they're progressive, but they're the first ones to be like, fuck indigenous bodies, like build that pipe, build that pipe, woohoo, build that pipe, let's yeah. kill those natives. <laughs> like they're just so, who cares? So, yeah. you know, and then the centrists, they're like, well, I see both sides. I wonder how many centrists regret those words after Hitler killed 6 million people. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I just I cannot wrap my head around how daft people are, not just to vote these people in, but to actually say these things out loud. Yeah, like I, I can't wrap my head around it at all. So, um, you know, here we are. And I wish you a ton of luck trying to deal with these. Yeah. folks. that's for sure. Um, I just don't they they just don't care. You yeah. know, all they care about is power and being in power and they yeah. don't actually care about the people. So, and that, I think that's so reflective in everything that we've seen uh, when it comes to, you know, the amount of people who are racialized that died, the amount of um, seniors that have died through this pandemic, and the zero care to make any systemic changes. And in fact, the person who's leading this um, call for Kenny to step down, like he's really wild rose like he's he's like a total fringe extremist where he's like you know no masks no government intervention you know i care about the economy but i don't care about dead workers you know like i i just i cannot wrap my head around the level of dialogue so i i don't even know um when i wasn't elected either provincially or municipally there was a lot more reflection from my point of view of um these people are so toxic could you really work with them yeah and i'm not gonna lie i don't think i could i don't know if i could work with them because they are so toxic yeah, yeah. so i do hope that if you do um, run that you have really strong spiritual boundaries and really strong emotional boundaries because there's no way that people who advocate for genocide proudly with like build that pipe you know type yeah. of chanting yeah you know i i don't even know how you work alongside them and for half of what kenny has said and done i i can't understand how anybody respects that man but then he has a whole caucus of followers that are just like whatever you say sir whatever you say so i don't know how we're going to ever get out of this other than uh we have a populace that has to die and be really negatively impacted and then They've done a good enough job in our curriculum for people to be so stupid that they actually think that this is somehow Trudeau's fault. Yeah. When he was the one who's given us, like, honestly, if it wasn't for Justin Trudeau's policies that we did not vote on in convention because we did not expect a global pandemic to happen, yeah, uh, exactly. the CERB and all of the um, incentives for, for business and such, like all of that money that has been available to industry and to the people you know, there's no, if he would have been um, not elected, I can't imagine where we would be. Uh, he just myself, my, my own family, you know, um, we were really negatively impacted by yeah. the oil and gas industry and the, and the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. How about you? How did your family go through or how did your, how is your situation in general from the pandemic, from before the pandemic to now? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, before the pandemic, I think I was probably really closed off, um, like blinded to certain things that were going on. I can definitely admit that. Um, and then during this pandemic, I've really seen a whole new side of, of Calgarians, Albertans, and, you know, even Canadians as a whole. Um, you know, it's interesting for me to, uh, like when it comes to political parties, I mean, I have family members who support all parties. So it's interesting for me, like a lot of people usually say, you know, like they have family members who, like when I'm talking family, I'm talking even, a, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. But most people usually can say, you know, their family for the most part votes the same way, but I've got family all over this country. So they all vote 
you know, for each of the different parties. Um, and I even have, have had in-laws that were very supportive of the UCP and have been really supportive of what Jason Kenney and his government was doing. Um, and only just probably in the last little while has, has those individuals actually came forward and said, yeah, maybe, you know, voting the UCP was the wrong choice. But I just don't, in my, in my head and heart, I don't understand why it's taken this long for those individuals to see it because I mean, we've been seeing what Kenny's government's been doing from day one. Um, you know, everything I knew, I knew when he was elected, everything that he had promised um, Albertans was not going to come true. Um, it's almost like he just was trying to get, you know, voted in and get his, his party voted in. And then after that, it was like, okay, we're going to just ignore people. Because I've even had conversations with people who tell me that, you know, they've reached out to MLA, like UCP MLAs and, um, they uh, have been told that by those UCP MLAs that, oh, you're not in my writing, so I don't wanna to talk to you. And I just think hearing those conversations is just really wrong because um, I know for me, and I've said this, I've said it on Twitter, I've said it online, and I've you know, said it, had it in conversations with people is um, that if I am elected, and even if I'm not in your writing, I'm willing to talk to you and have those conversations because I think we need to have MLAs that are more willing to talk to all Albertans and see, like like on a provincial level, of course, talking to all Albertans and seeing what issues matter to them. Um, yes. Well, the, the bar is low enough now that by giving a two sentence reply, you've done better than your predecessor. Yeah, sure enough. That's how low the bar is, really, right? Like I, I, the only time I met with my MLA, I literally was giving him free uh, Indigenous education because that's where it is. Um, so I'm represented by Peter Singh. Uh, he was the one whose campaign office was raided by the RCMP the Friday before the election, and he still won overwhelmingly. And um, yeah, he knows absolutely nothing about Indigenous issues, like beyond, like minus. He has the uh, all the myths and stereotypes. So oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, like we do have a long way to go. I mean, I had a conversation with some people about this yesterday, even talking, I kind of just actually just asked people in general, I asked my, my husband, I asked, you know, a couple of good friends, I said, do you guys honestly think that Indigenous people will ever actually have equal rights? Because, I mean, the more and more I look around, the more I realize that, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. You know, even like you said, I mean, I even was on Twitter earlier today and I saw one of the posts about the Nazi flag uh, being posted. Um, I don't know where it was posted, but it was obviously somewhere, somewhere in Alberta. But, um, you know, just seeing that, um, I, I'll be open and say this. I have family who actually, um, going back in history was connected to Hitler at, uh, at one point. And so for me, I do not support anything when I see these Nazi flags. And, um, you know, when I see people drawing the symbols on benches and stuff, uh, it horrifies me. Um, As a member of the LGBTQ2 plus community, you're the first one to get a pink triangle and gassed in this, in, like gassed. Like, I, yeah. I don't understand how people don't know this. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, that's why, you know, I, I understand and respect that maybe it's part of my history, but at the same time, I I'm learning, I'm learning that that's not the ever direction I want to ever be in, or it's not the direction I ever want my family to ever be in. Um, you know, it, it sucks that that's part of my heritage, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I think the best thing, and somebody told me this, is the best thing to do is really just learn from from this stuff, you know, and especially, like you said, as a, as a LGBTQ member, and even as an Indigenous member I mean speaking up about this stuff is is important for all of us as a whole um and that's kind of I th why I think you know what comes back to to me you know running as independent is I hope I can be that voice for those both of those communities um and um you know, firsthand, I, I see racism with with my even with my husband. I mean, I'm a white seeing indigenous person. So I, I guess I can say I have that privilege. But, you know, my husband doesn't. I mean, he got followed in Walmart, you know, this like last month for buying razors. They actually even followed him. And when he went to the checkout, they radioed each other. Oh, did that man pay for those those razors? I mean, I wasn't with him when that had happened. Uh, he had told me. Um, but even going in certain stores, we get followed uh, if so if we buy something from another store and we go into certain stores um 
such as shoppers and London drugs, I have no problem saying it. If my husband is carrying the bags, we will be followed nine times out of 10. If I'm carrying the bags, we will not be followed once. So these might be like small issues, but I, this is just an example of how I know this is such a big problem. And I, it hurts my heart that this is still something that is still going on even now. Um, and that's why I had that, that conversation yesterday is when do we, when will we have, when will Indigenous people have the equal rights, you know? And it's just sad that I even have to have those conversations because that's kind of where I am when it comes to that. Yeah, I know. I um, I don't know if we ever will. And I know it won't be in my lifetime. That's for yeah. sure. And I would love to be proven wrong. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, that, and I've been, that's what I've been dealing with with the pandemic is mourning the loss that we can make enough change to have equality. Um, it's been really hard, actually, I'm not going to lie, because it's you know, I questioned was having kids right, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. bring them into a shit, a, a shit show of a, of a environment like this, actually. So I, I've actually really had to dig deep into my trauma and go, you know, obviously that's, I want my daughter to thrive. So how do we teach her how to thrive in a, in a society that hates her? They hate she's native, they hate she's queer, they hate that she's a uh, femme um, you know, in, in any capacity. So, you know, now to try to navigate a world for her so that she can thrive. Um, obviously, employment is almost impossible because, uh, you know, of racism and sexism and homophobia. So, you know, having her to be a strong, independent um, entrepreneur in some capacity so that she can thrive, uh, that's obviously where, what the goal will be. And, um, yeah. So do you have any kids? No, um, but, you know, uh, speaking of that topic, I mean, you know, my husband and I do want to adopt one day. Um, we actually, I'm actually really um, thinking of adopting in the Indigenous community um, when it comes to that time frame. Um, but I, I totally agree, too, with that is, you know, um, when like for me, I, I know I've always wanted to be a father, but as as of now I'm being I'm seeing more of these indigenous uh, issues going on and on. I, I am scared for future generations. Um, you know whether we adopt or go the surrogate route. Um, you know I'm I'm really scared for them. But I like I like your message about you know trying your best to just educate them and um, you know teaching them the best that we know because really that's all we can do because with the tools that we have. Um, so yeah, definitely when it comes to that aspect, um, I definitely want to be a father one day, but um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I think, um, you know, you have two uncles to, who are husbands. I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of nieces and nephews to adopt. So I'm not too worried about you becoming a parent then. I, um, <laughs> yeah. And is your husband's status? Yes, he is. He's, uh, well, he's Métis, uh, Alberta Métis. So his uh, band is up in Northern Alberta in the Peavine area. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So if he's Métis, that'll be a lot easier. Um, you know, we, we've actually uh, haven't applied for my daughter's status because, um, because I'm a federal like jurisdiction, I was red flagged at the hospital. Oh. And um so I'm really afraid of my grandchildren being red flagged at the hospital if she were to have children. Um, that's just where we're at. And I know that we're trying to pretend like the laws are changing, but they're not. We're being policed um, by nurses, doctors, you know, all the time. In fact, I had a really awful experience getting my daughter's um, shot because the nurse obviously didn't think that she should have been there. And she made that incredibly clear, not just in front of me, but in front of her. And uh, so that was super shitty. And yeah. Um, yeah, and that's my daughter very rarely has any interaction with uh, medical because they're racist. There's not a nice way to say it. They're just racist. So yeah, yeah I don't know. And then we just recently did that podcast with Ashley's, um, with the Ashley's. So Corey Ashley lost his wife Lillian at Christmas because of uh, medical neglect in Hannah, Alberta. And uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know what the right answer is, like how we, we can doctor our own, like, 
Dr. James McCocus can't be the only doctor I run to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, if an emergency happens, I need to be able to really trust the system and I can't. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I'm really, I wanted some severe systemic changes happening so that the next generations don't feel that. And um, yeah. so I don't know what the right answers are, but maybe we can, you know, find some good solutions there. And would it, if you get elected, of course, I would, you know, <laughs> help you in any way I could. That's for certain. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a relationship with any of the treaty chiefs here? No, I don't currently. Um, I mean, like currently, because um, I'm with me running, I've kind of like I kind of am leaning to going in 2023, but I'm kind of thinking it might be later too in the next one after that. I'm right now, I think I'm just trying to uh, build a resume, I guess, if you will, build a name for myself. Um, so currently, no, I would love to reach out to some of those people. I mean, I talk to I talk to elders in my band, but of course, that's like I said, that's in Ontario, and I'm actually helping a candidate run um, in our in our Indigenous um, election here in July. So I'm, I'm working on that too. But yeah, I would definitely love to reach out to some people here in Calgary and, you know, in Alberta and have those conversations. I mean, I have talked to some elders uh, through my husband, but not about my politics. So um, I do know of elders here in Alberta. I just haven't like sat down with any um, anybody with my um, politic journey in mm. Alberta anyways. So have you considered running for school trustee or city council for the upcoming municipal election? I have, but I don't know if it'll be this um, this election. Um, I know that actually you and I actually had those conversations. Um, I think just with my master's going to be starting up here in a couple of months. Um, I just think that, you know, this year I want to just sort of get myself grounded on on that journey. Um, but I definitely would be willing to uh, look at running in that in that direction too. Um, I've actually had people not just from, I've had actual people um, from, you know, from my team and even friends and stuff have come to me and said, you know, Rio, you should really look at trying municipal too. So, um, and even people I've just, you know, met on Twitter uh, in the last little while too, have said that to me. So it's, it's good that I have the support behind me and I have people who are like, you know, saying I should do it and sort of like my little cheerleaders, I guess, if you will, on the side. But um, yeah, I would definitely uh, consider that too. I mean, I know it's going to probably take a lot of times for me to run. Um, I've already been, I already know that, you know, running as independent, I'm up against the big party machines. Um, I mean, ironically, that's something I, I heard uh, somebody on the news say once to an independent candidate, but um, I feel the same way that, you know, um, running against all the parties they've got all the resources and stuff like that independent you don't really have that resource so you sort of have to rely that you're networking and the connections that you make yeah I, that's why i encourage you to consider running municipally because uh you know like i can tell you it takes like you know four or five times to run to win and like i can think of someone like andre chabot who's you know ran exclusively in like uh, blue circles and has always been you know the hang around when it comes to conservative politics but even municipally he still has to work really hard and run and run and run and run in order to win so yeah. building up that resume that portfolio like it takes so much and so many elections that you have to you know just put on that crazy glue on that wound and keep going because yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no um there's no stopping right and uh no time for reflection and you know even for me there's a piece of me that's like maybe I should put my name in maybe I should put my name in but I I I just I actually can't this go around and I think that's the actual barriers for Indigenous people that non-Indigenous don't face is that um you know the stability is so different and they can't even comprehend it right so yeah it's hard it's hard and i i don't know what the future looks like for me at this point and i think that again is the difference between indigenous and canadians that you know we have to survive and they get to thrive you know yeah. and at our expense so you know that's just kind of where i'm at with my political journey but i really i want to see you i want to see marilyn i want to see you know, Chevy Rabbit obviously is somebody who's really interested in politics and and uh, 
conservative leaning, but, you know, obviously an indigenous queer, you know, someone who should definitely be at the table. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I totally agree. And that's why, that's why I'm excited to really put myself out there. And, you know, uh, my biggest thing too is, because um, I've been even asked this too by people in general and even even people on my team is you know if 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 I lose you know is that the, is that the no end? you will lose I'm sorry yeah, I no. love you to pieces but you're gonna lose <laughs> yeah but and, you have to keep going like you have to run and run and run and run well, and, that, and that's what I mean like when when I've been asked that you know is it they're more like is that the end of the road for you and you know I, I want to remind people I mean I regardless of of the amount of times that I will lose um, I'm going to continue to keep my voice going because the thing is is that I think the more we raise our voices even if we do not get elected the more we raise our voices eventually somebody is going to listen or at least that's my hope is eventually somebody is going to listen um, and you know um, it may take years it may take decades for somebody to listen but I mean I just I don't see a purpose of you know losing and then okay that's it keep my mouth quiet because that's not the type of person i am i'm i'm a very uh vocal person especially when i'm passionate about something i am going to you know use my voice as much as possible i think that's the best reason to run is to give that voice a platform uh you know i it, it may not mean success in the uh, votes but at least you got the voice out and i think um you know especially canadians they claim they care about political dialogue right so it's really important that your voice is there and it's really important that you keep running and keep running if you if you can do it do it because it needs to be done that's the i think the best constructive activism that we can do um in a climate especially this climate right now where you know we're we're dying um uh, disproportionately than anyone else because we refuse to address systemic racism so you know, I, I want to you to know you're welcome on my show anytime to talk about anything. And definitely as you, you know, move forward with your, your platforms and your voice and, you know, if there are issues you want to discuss as it comes up, please feel free to come back on my show and uh, we'll, we'll discuss them. Um, so I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety and cultural first aid in almost all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous, people of color, queer, those with disabilities. Uh, thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca. They put out a piece called What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why I Should Care About It? Their work are the cultural tools that I've said over a hundred times in my podcast. So please support Indigenous work as part of your work on reconciliation and settler understandings. I'm lucky enough to repeat and highlight them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks face in a structure of racism. You can go to racialequitytools.org what is internalized racism by donna bevins to learn more uh what there's do's and don'ts for bystander intervention at american friends service committee if you see or experience racism in alberta uh reported to act and racism or text at 587-506-3838 indigenous have been talking about the issues sharing our traumas and reports commissions and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded no more honor our words honor the treaties listen to politicians and their policies and platforms if they don't recognize marginalized with their budget with gender equity plus if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services indigenous education uterus health choices gay straight alliances lack of human rights for migrants immigrants folks with disabilities know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people demand that they implement the truth and reconciliation commission calls to action the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, the violence prevention programs, now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. Denying all of these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. So they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they have zero business running. 
should be understood by all politicians, community associations, sports clubs, etc. A really great article is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. Google it if you are experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk. The First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310 is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They also have a texting option at hopeforwellness.ca. If related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It's national, toll-free, 24-7 crisis um, information. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress centers in your area worth a functioning 211. And you can call uh, 833-5 or 456-4566 through 833-456-4566. Uh, if you need more assistance. And if you see or experience racism in Alberta, again, act to end racism or text 587-506-3838. I also want to say uh, a huge shout out to the Trevor Project. They uh, do a lot of resources for LGBTQ2 plus youth. I myself used Kids Help Phone when I was young at 1-800-668-6868 and Life Life voice.ca has lots of crisis supports and lgbtq2 plus crisis supports violence is my everyday reality every indigenous generation has faced it that's why i started this podcast to speak freely without interruption without tone police without leadership shaming without gaslighting questions as many people don't want to hear indigenous opinion we sure want to tell us theirs by people who are ignorant who know nothing about indigenous colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigil, and our rights, typical microaggressions, uh, people dealing with internalized racism, become gatekeepers, internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I am a second generation proud Calgarian. Uh, thank you to my husband for editing and producing this show. He's been my childhood friend, father of our child, uh, support down my journey of the red road and has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing the support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And to those Calgary rabbits, you're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you for listening. <laughs>